Today's episode of The Sellouts is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Big Ten tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download GameTime in the App Store or on Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. Memorial Stadium. Since 1962. Since 1962. A sellout crowd. A sellout crowd. All sold out. Hey, we sold out, but we still saved you a seat. The sellout. With Mitch Sherman and Max Olson. Hello, everyone. I'm Mitch Sherman, Nebraska football writer for The Athletic. Welcome into another edition of The Sellouts. Max Olson is with me. We'll talk about this matchup for Nebraska against Northwestern, homecoming in Lincoln on Saturday. And I visited with Matt Fortuna, national college football writer for The Athletic, about the Wildcats. So we'll get to that, too. But first, Max... Scott Frost said Thursday that this game for Northwestern ranks as the most important of the season against Nebraska. The Wildcats are, of course, one and three. Their season is in the balance. And then Frost said, somewhat surprisingly, that it holds similar importance for the Huskers. Not exactly the equally, all games are equally important coach speak that you might expect from Scott Frost heading into this game as the Huskers sit 3-2 and two in Week 6. So what do you make of his statement that this game is perhaps the most important of the season to date for Nebraska? Um, I think I can see where he's coming from. You know, it's it's funny. Like, college football is just a weird sport um, over a 12-game season where, like, we, we do weirdly kind of see it a lot that, like, after you go play your worst game, you can um, – come right back and, and play some of your best football. And and I think that's probably what he's um, urging this team to do of like, hey, I think this team can be really good. This is the week when you've got to show it um, against an opponent that is beatable. Um, but as we talked about on Monday, um, one that can, uh, can, can, can make you, can, can give you a lot of problems and, 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 and beat you. Um, if you make the same mistakes you've been making for the past two weeks of Big Ten play. So I think I can I can see where he's coming from. These are the kind of games they need to start learning to win and be confident in. And uh, I guess I'm curious, after you know a week of interviews, where do you feel like the confidence level is of this team? Because, you know, we've, we, you hear the same stuff after those kind of losses, you know, year after year, anything stand out to you about? Yeah, just you know, the I'll kind of reiterate what I said on Monday that I think it takes some time to get over this, and I think as the week has gone on, Nebraska has done a good job of moving forward. I don't, I don't feel like you know the players would tell you they moved forward uh, on Sunday, and I, I just don't feel like that's the case, like emotionally, mentally, human nature. But I do think by now they've moved on. I, I, I you know, confidence is still probably going to be an issue with this team. I, I think that's part of what bit Nebraska in the second half against Colorado, if you really want to get into it. I think it was a factor as Nebraska went on the road and got started against Illinois because it hadn't won on the road. Not that Nebraska would have reason to be uh, to lack confidence against Illinois, but I, there, there's there are just hurdles that continue to exist for this program. 
And, I, you know, I think part of that impacts Nebraska's ability to move on from a game like we saw last Saturday in Lincoln. Um, so until they get out there and execute and score a touchdown, you know, get ahead of Northwestern, remind themselves of what this team can be, then, I, you know, I, I think you can't totally say that they're over it. But, you know, I heard from some some listeners, um, you know, some who read my my Monday upon further review who took issue with the suggestion that Nebraska was struggling to get past Ohio State. And I don't, I don't mean it in a physical sense. I don't mean that the guys aren't working in practice. You know, I just think there's such a, uh, there's such a mental side to, to sports, but especially to college sports and, and, and this sport. And one of the most difficult things to do is just to forget about a 41-point loss when there was that much buildup around the game. So as the week's gone on at Nebraska – you know, I, I've I've sensed that they're not. You know, you don't see it in their eyes the way, the way that you did on Saturday night after the game. You don't hear it in the tone of their voices. The <laughs> players seem to be mm-hmm. uh, in a good mood as this Northwestern game approaches. But when they get out there and that and that ball is kicked off, I I think there are going to be some lingering confidence issues. I I was surprised a bit to hear Frost put it on the line the way that he did. Thursday and discussing what this Northwestern game means to Nebraska. I mean, look, every game is hugely important. Every game, coaches will tell you, and now I'm the one giving coach speak, every game is the most important game the week you're playing it. And, you know, if we're sitting here a week from now Mm -hmm. talking about Minnesota, whether Nebraska wins or loses against Northwestern, that Minnesota game is huge for Nebraska. It's another chance to go on and and win on the road in the Big Ten West. But yeah, I mean, I I see it. This is a huge one for Nebraska. You're either looking at four and two or three and three. And And it was interesting to hear Scott Frost actually verbalize it. I, I think part of that too is trying to signal to his team like don't look at Northwestern's record and think you're better than them. Um don't don't sleep on them. I think, you know, this week I, I updated our stop rate standings and Northwestern for all of their struggles offensively, um, is still in the top twenty in, in stop rate. They're getting stops on seventy eight percent of their drives, which ties them for seventeenth in the country. Um Hunter Johnson's played terrible this year. Um I think he's actually the worst Ouch. quarterback in the country in terms of QBR at this point. Um, but you saw, you saw in Wisconsin in a game that I think I expected them, you know, to get, get blown out by four or five touchdowns in that game. They were able to stop the run enough. And I know Jonathan Taylor still ran for a hundred, but he didn't have a, I don't think he had a single carry over 15 yards. Um, they were able to do enough on third down and get stops and give themselves a chance. And now their offense is terrible and, and can't capitalize on it, but um, I think in, even though Wisconsin and Nebraska are, are different teams and at very different points, um, they can do some of that same stuff. They can they can stop the run and put the pressure on Adrian Martinez and and get stops and get off the field. And so it's like don't sleep on what they can do. It's important to go drive down and score points on these guys and get a lead and and and, and pull away and take this game very very seriously because um, you don't want it to turn into what. Pretty much all of these Nebraska, Wisconsin, or excuse me, Nebraska yeah, and, Northwestern and, games. And, have and my into- upcoming visit with Matt Fortuna, you'll, you'll hear us get more into Northwestern's slow starts in recent years. The the Wildcats are are accustomed to being one in three, and we also talk some about Hunter Johnson and uh, the situation for Northwestern at quarterback. So 
All right, just real quick before we move on, if you guys will, please take a listen to Joe Rexroad and David Ubbin on the Athletics Tennessee Volunteers podcast, Pod for Life. David and Joe welcome Georgia Bulldogs writer Seth Emerson on the show to discuss Saturday's SEC East clash between the Bulldogs and Volunteers. Tune in every Monday and Thursday to Pod for Life and follow them on the Athletic app or website. All right, it's a pleasure today to welcome in Matt Fortuna, another of our national writers for The Athletic. Matt is an expert on all things ACC and Notre Dame. He hosts another podcast on our on our network, The Shamrock, with Notre Dame writer Pete Sampson. And Matt, you live in Chicago. You are my go-to guy on restaurant recommendations when I'm in the Windy City. <laughs> You're also up to date on happenings around the Big Ten and at Northwestern, which, of course, visits Nebraska Saturday at 3 Central Time. So let me ask you first, Nebraska coach Scott Frost said on Thursday that the Huskers are getting ready for both Hunter Johnson and Aiden Smith this week. Who do you think is going to play for the Cats and what is best for them at this point after after that uh, that situation at Wisconsin last week? Uh, second question first, I would say uh, I have no idea what's best for them at this point. Nothing has seemed to be working, and they're just going to have to kind of mix and match and experiment and try anything they can to try to rejuvenate this offense a little bit. I mean, it's just been atrocious, and it's been really hard on the eyes to watch. Uh, the, the the most exciting parts, I think, of the season so far, if you're a Northwestern fan, has basically been Pat Fitzgerald's press conferences every Monday because uh, he is just <laughs> – Full of dad jokes, uh, full of emails with hashtags and other uh, things that don't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but but nothing has been clicking for this team offensively. And, you know, they are the defending division champs, yes. But it's not like that offense last year lit the world on fire either. And so there are a lot of questions around this program about what is the best course of action uh, to try to get them out of, the rut, out of their rut from this point forward. You know, perhaps Pat Fitzgerald stays as uh, optimistic or as uh, jovial as he does because he knows that two years ago, Northwestern started two and three and won eight straight to finish with 10 wins. Last year, Northwestern started one and three and then, then won seven of eight to win the Big Ten West. And, you know, here they are right on track at one and three, five weeks into the year. So, so does, does Pat Fitzgerald, do you feel like Pat Fitzgerald maybe knows something about this team that, that we don't see right now a month into the season? You know, coming off the Stanford game, I thought maybe um, he was a little bit defensive, a little combative, said, hey, look, we, we lost what until the final play of the game was a one possession game on the road against what's traditionally been a really good Stanford team uh, with a quarterback making his first career start. And I think he got a little defensive and may have thought he knew something that that none of us did coming in. But um since then, no. I mean, you know, I was at the Michigan State game. That that was uh, the first time they've really been thoroughly manhandled in a Big Ten game in a couple of years where they just never looked like they had a chance. Um, and everyone seemed fairly dejected afterward. There was no rah-rah, we're going to turn this thing around. We got the guys, we got this, we got that. It was kind of, look, we're, we're not playing ball or coaching ball well right now. We need to go back to the drawing board and see what's what. Now, I'll say this. If this team was every bit as good as last year's team was, I still think there is a chance when you look at this schedule, the way they entered this year, no matter how well they played, they could have started one and six because 
six of their wow. first seven opponents to start the season were ranked in the preseason AP top 25. It is a very front-loaded schedule from a toughness standpoint. Outside of UNLV, I mean, there were no layups between Stanford, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska was ranked to the preseason. They got a bye after that, and then they got back-to-back home games against Ohio State and Iowa. So um, I, I, I thought there was the potential for this year to – uh, for them to be maybe an as good or better team than they were last year, but but to have not nearly as good of a record, uh, maybe you know from the twenty thousand foot view uh, point of view, that's this is a good thing. Like they were going to have a bad record anyway. Good thing to get all their mistakes out this this early in a season like this. But um, it, it just doesn't look really good for them right now. And uh, you know the advanced metrics have always hated this team. Uh, the odds makers have always hated this team. They've won a lot of close games. Uh, they, they've won. I think 15 of their 16 Big Ten regular season games going into the Michigan State game uh, two weeks ago. They had won seven of their last eight, I think, in games that were decided by one possession or less. Uh, Some people look at that and say, hey, you flipped a coin and it came up to head seven times out of eight. Others say, you know, this is a program that believes in itself, that has a right DNA to to win close games and and buckle down and, and make plays in the fourth quarter when all is said and done. Uh, but but when you see them fall apart the way they have this season and not really look all that close in, in some of these losses, with, with the toughest part of the schedule still to come, uh, I, you know the Northwestern fans I know want a new play caller and offensive coordinator. They think this is a long time coming, and this is the, the necessary kind of face plant the program needs to to force some change. I don't know if I'll go that far just yet, uh, but but that's certainly I, I think going to have to be a possibility at the end of the year if this program does not turn things around on that side of the ball. Yeah, you know Hunter Johnson came into this season. Uh, there, there were there were so many expectations for him. You know, a former elite recruit and transfer from Clemson. W- what have you made of of what you've seen from him this year before before he was hurt against Wisconsin last week? Yeah, it's just it's just not clicking for whatever reason. It, it, and you, you heard coming out that it was going to be close between him and TJ Green uh, for the starting job, and they both did play in that Stanford game before TJ Green suffered a seizing-ending injury. And you know, it, it, in a very weird, almost Machiavellian type type away a lot of us myself included thought you know you feel bad for green of course but you wonder if for the confidence of hunter johnson this might buoy him in a way that he doesn't have to look over his shoulder he's not playing for his job now this is his job he can go out there and do what he does but that hasn't been the case um aiden smith has played a decent amount of ball the last couple of weeks uh we don't know how much each guy is going to play coming into this week um and and, you know the the skill guys aren't there on northwestern the way they have been in years past they usually had one or two guys at running back or receiver who could bail them out uh when things weren't clicking the offense line hasn't looked great this season either uh but but you know isaiah bowser's been banged up at running back uh bennis granick their best receiver who frankly is probably a number three on most upper tier big 10 teams is hurt and is out indefinitely. He's going to have surgery this week if he hasn't already. Uh, and they've just been really decimated offensively. And you're seeing that in the numbers. I mean, it, you know, just looking down, you know, CFB stats right now, total offense, 126 nationally. Yards per play, 129th. Passing offense, 121st. Scoring offense, 128th. I mean, again, this offense is atrocious. And uh, they need to get better. And I don't know if reinforcements are on the way uh, through some younger guys on that roster who haven't played yet. That, that remains to be seen. 
One thought I want to get from you on this series, when Northwestern uh, and Nebraska became conference opponents, Nebraska joined the Big Ten, of course, in, in 2011, there was an expectation from people at Nebraska that this series may go in similar fashion to a blowout in the Alamo Bowl that these two teams played uh, several years before, and, and it's been anything but that. Yeah. Six of the eight games have been decided by one score. Uh, including last year, the 34-31 to 31 Northwestern comeback, a heartbreaker for Nebraska in overtime. And, and really, I think as you look around the Big Ten, this is how Northwestern plays a lot of those teams that aren't named Ohio State or Michigan. What What is it about Pat Fitzgerald's style? Is it, is it surprising at all that they've played so many close games with Nebraska over the last eight years? I mean, last year's in particular, I was covering that game and uh, you know, our boss, actually, Stuart Mandel, was in the crowd for, for I think, his 20th or 15th college anniversary or reunion. And I'm going down to the field as Nebraska's up, I want to say, 10. And I remember you know slacking one of our editors and saying, all right, I'm going to write a story. Uh, Nebraska finally getting their first winner, Scott Frost. Because like it, yeah. it just was like there, there was no way they could lose that game. And, and even down on the field for the final five minutes or so when they're up 10 points, you, you kind of got – I mean, it was mostly Nebraska fans, as Ryan Field tends to be when they're playing some of these Blue Bloods. Like the, they just get taken over by all the Chicago area alums. Uh, there was this like angst in the crowd that was really hard to like describe or even understand uh, unless you were a fan of a team that had just lost four or five games in a row by more perplexing fashion – than the last. And this one ended up taking the cake. I mean, they go three and out, they give up a field goal or they give up, or excuse me, they give up a field goal. They go three and out. They punt the ball. Northwestern has the ball at their own one with about a minute left and no timeouts. And Northwestern folks and their Twitter account still get at me this day because I, uh, they end up going 99 yards to tie the game in the final seconds and end up winning in overtime. And I tweeted something to the effect of like, this is the worst loss in college football this year. Nebraska had no, no business land like Northwestern of all places march down that that quickly um, with no timeouts. And like, what are you talking about? We're a good program. We're going to win the division. I'm like, yeah, you were 128th in the country in offense coming into that game. Like, that's <laughs> just not supposed to happen. So crazy things happen when these two take the field. I, I don't know if I could put my finger on why that is the case, uh, but whether it's that, whether it was the Hail Mary five or six years ago down in Lincoln, uh, this series has not lacked for drama. And, and maybe that's what a program like Northwestern needs right now. Another old-fashioned close game that uh, they make one more play than their opponent at the end and come up victorious. And that gives them a little bit of confidence and momentum going into the bye week and makes them maybe a little less, uh, I don't want to say scared, but, uh, you know, a little more confident going into the Ohio State game in two weeks that I think everyone expects the Buckeyes to, to, to run them off the field. Maybe it, it turns into a little bit more of a competitive game. I don't know. But um, Nebraska seems to bring that out of Northwestern more than anyone else. And uh, I, I know that's no consolation to Nebraska fans who I think probably think they're above Northwestern and should be taking care of business against this team year in and year out. But uh, that, that just hasn't been the case. Our, our, our Nebraska listeners will appreciate that. If you're going to mention the 99-yard drive and, and the loss last year, that you did at least bring up Jordan Westerkamp's name. So <laughs> um, I, w- I will get you out of here on this. That game went to overtime last year. And I want, I want your, your thought on this stat. Nebraska has played five overtime games since the end of Bo Pelini's career uh, on Black Friday 2014, which was an overtime win at Iowa. And in those five overtimes, including this year at Colorado, Nebraska has scored a total of zero points oh in five overtime periods. 
how does that happen? <laughs> and, uh, you know, overtime is always on the mind when Nebraska and Northwestern play because the games seem to come down to the wire. So um, it, have you heard of a stat like that uh, in college football? Uh, I put that one right up with the fact that Northwestern was 15-1 and one in Big Ten games going into two weeks ago because right? those are just two numbers you would never think about when associating yourself with either program. But no points. I mean, going 0-5 is one thing. No, Not scoring when you're from the 25-yard line out five different times. Uh, that one is a real mind bog. I, I don't know if... Uh, Bo Pelini's cat put a jinx or a curse on this program after he got fired, or if Bo Pelini is working some, some pixie it may have dust been here. That. It may have been that. that might be the only rational explanation because that, that just does not make sense. I would agree with you, and we'll see if this one heads toward overtime. If so, the Huskers are in a in a, in some uh, they have some problems because this team doesn't have a kicker. So, um, thank you so much, Matt. Sorry, Northwestern's had some adventures there yeah, as well. <laughs> thank you so much for for joining us today on the sellouts, and, and um, we will uh, look forward to connecting with you again sometime as Nebraska navigates through the Big Ten. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Okay, Max, let's talk about the news of the week. Maybe not landscape altering, but Khalil Davis, arguably Nebraska's top defensive lineman, was suspended by the Big Ten this week for apparently landing a haymaker against Josh Myers, Ohio State's standout center during that 48-7 Ohio State victory over Nebraska. Davis will not play against Northwestern on Saturday. He'll be back a week later. It looks like Ben Stilley at defensive end is going to earn the start for Nebraska at a deep position for the Huskers. Uh, What do we need to say about this? Any thoughts about the fallout from Khalil Davis's suspension? This was something that that went unnoticed entirely in the game. There was there was not even a flag thrown by the officials but um you know I, I imagine you heard about this while you were in Dallas this week what do you think about the Huskers without Khalil Davis on Saturday afternoon yeah it's, that's a weird one when we don't have I mean to my not like have you seen a video that made you be like oh yeah yeah oh, that's what happened. yeah I saw one last night that was captured by one of the tv stations or it was footage from ESPN but but from for more of a wide angle and as JK Dobbins goes running by now look Myers just absolutely trucks Muhammad Barry on the play in question. He hits him, and Barry goes flying back five, six, seven yards, which is you know something of a microcosm of the way that Ohio State's front five handled Nebraska's front seven on defense. And and, and then Myers goes after Barry when he's on the ground. The play has already passed. Uh, Dobbins is 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 running down the sideline, and uh, Myers hits Barry on the ground, and Khalil Davis comes tumbling down on top of Myers. And it's almost like out of frustration because the Buckeyes have just taken this 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 pretty simple running play and turned it into a you know a ten or twelve yard gain, and mm-hmm. things are things are snowballing on Nebraska, and and you can see at the end of the video, Davis kind of take his fist and you know and 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 cock his 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 arm and and punch Myers. Not not super clear, and it's unclear what happened after. The, the 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 throw uh, the 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 punch was thrown, but Scott Frost mm-hmm. did say on Thursday that officials mentioned some extracurricular activity. They didn't see fit to throw a flag. They were seen on video talking to Davis after the play, but mm-hmm. um, you know, much more it, made out of this during it, the week. It, it seemed like the response, the statement that Scott Frost put out, and obviously you want to put that statement out just to like be like, hey, let's just make, let's just move past this, and you know, it is what it is. 
But um, for them to just react the way they did and just accepting the punishment, I, I assume some some tape has been forwarded to them that is, uh, you know, relatively indisputable or or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, of, of all the players on their defense, um, or, or all I, I should say, all the spots on their defense. Like I, I think you can you can get by here just because that's this is one of the the areas where Nebraska does have some depth um, and some experience depth. Uh, so I think uh, the, they'll be okay. I'm curious to see if that means a guy like Keem Green is is in the rotation a little bit more. Um, you know, kind of who who rises to the opportunity here. But um, there there are very few spots on Nebraska's defense where I'd say oh they can afford to lose that guy for a game. But I think uh, I think they can get away with this one. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. It's it's the deepest spot on the whole team. Um, it, the, the the front three on defense they go too deep without really batting an eye. And then with Keem Green, we'll see. You know, I, I'd be surprised if if he plays in this game because he played last week against Ohio State just to get his feet wet in the fourth quarter. And I think he's definitely a guy that they have significant expectations for down the road, but don't envision him playing unless there there are a, a pileup of injuries more than the four games that uh, are allowed for him to still redshirt this season. So you got three more games with Keem Green, and, and he's one of those guys. I mean, this is not um, like Chris Hickman. Chris Hickman is going to play in this game, according to, to Sean Becton, Nebraska's tight ends coach, on special teams. I don't imagine he's going to get in at tight end. We'll see. But uh, this is his get his feet wet game. Um, It doesn't, I don't think you're ever going to get out of Chris Hickman a significant contribution, a game altering contribution this season. But I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't close the door on Keem Green because of how big he is and how physical he looks and the fact that maybe he can impact a game against. Wisconsin, Maryland, or Iowa at the end of the year if he continues to progress. So I, I don't think I'd play him this yeah, week. Yeah, and he's just one of those guys that if he'd joined the program at the end of May, he's probably in a different position than he is now. And has, he's just been, you know, trying to play catch up, not just from a scheme standpoint, but just from a conditioning standpoint to to be ready to help them. Um, but thanks to the four game deal, um, he's in a position where he, he he may be a key guy off the bench for them at, at some point during this uh, this Big Ten stretch run. Yeah, know? yeah. So no Keem Green, my prediction, our prediction, our joint prediction on Saturday. We want to discuss, or I want to discuss, this fantastic story. If you haven't read it, please go to The Athletic and find Max's story on Chris Felica, the bear, the uh, beloved character on game day and on ESPN Saturday Night Football, um, written, reported last week from game day and ESPN's visit to Lincoln. So Max, uh, you got to spend some time Friday, most of the day on Saturday following, following mm-hmm. around Chris Felica. Um, you know, is your, is your, is your handicapping game significantly better? And <laughs> what did you learn new about the bear that you didn't already know? You know, um, I, I, I will say, uh, my my great weakness in reporting that story is I I know absolutely nothing about betting on horse racing and uh, and I still don't um, I didn't want to you know the guy is an expert on it he he goes to Vegas every year for the like horse racing betting championship um, and qualifies for it every year um, and and I did not learn that stuff maybe someday uh, that will become a strength of mine uh, but. Uh, no, it was it was awesome. He 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 is as awesome a guy as you see on TV. 
Um, you know, very humble, loves the sport, just addicted to college football like the rest of us. A, a guy who's um, put in the work for for decades at ESPN um, behind the scenes as kind of their researcher, pr- research producer, um, who, you know, he makes everybody on game day smarter um, just for working with them and uh, really kind of guides uh, that show and, and help transform, you know, transform it into what it is today. And, uh, it was cool to hang out with him and see kind of, you know, since 2013, uh, he, he started going on there, there and, uh, has, has become kind of, uh, there's kind of a cult of the bear, you know, like there's, there's these folks who really love him and follow his picks. And, you know, I think it's the everyman vibe that people appreciate that he's just, uh, just the normal guy with with hot takes and loves to bed and loves college football and uh, it was really cool to get to sp- spend time with him and it was really cool to get to do it in Lincoln. Um, I, I know that uh, in, in talking with those guys, they were they were really impressed by um, you know, the crowd in Nebraska. They knew it was going to be a big deal here um, since they'd been gone for for twelve years and uh, I think they were blown away by just the way that uh, that crowd was locked into the show, paying attention completely into it, um, from start to finish. And really since, since sunup and, and so it was, it was a cool experience to get to be around, um, you know, be around behind the scenes just for that, that day. And obviously it ended in, in a sour way, but, uh, what a fun day that was, uh, up until kickoff basically. Okay. That was a really enjoyable story. Um, I would really recommend that everybody go read that, find that story that Max did on Chris Felica and the bear from last weekend in Lincoln today. Thursday, as we tape in Lincoln, I had a chance to sit down with Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose. You can read that story Friday on The Athletic, the site, um, and the app. Uh, I talked to Bill about the new facility that is is going to be going up next to Memorial Stadium to house the Nebraska football program, announced last week at $155 million, covering 350,000 square, square feet of space. It was interesting to hear from Moose his vision about what inside that facility can set Nebraska apart. It was a wide-ranging conversation. We talked about uh, name, image, and likeness and what Bill Moose's thoughts are on the bill that was passed uh, and signed signed this week by the governor of California. Um, We also talked about Bill Moose's statement from July that it was his hope, his expectation, desire that this Nebraska football team just get to a bowl game. That while many people this offseason were talking about nine and ten wins for Scott Frost's second team, Bill Moose was there saying, let's just get to six and get to a bowl game and have another month of practice in December. And um, I was curious his perspective five months into the five weeks uh, five, into the into the season in 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 going back and revisiting that a bit and why he said that and, and, and how he feels about the progress this year. So do, do, do you get the sense that he's he's pretty uh you know, determined to, to see this project, uh, through and be the AD all the way till, to a completion here. Yeah. He's going to be going on the road. He has not been on the road in the, in the early stages of planning to, to visit other facilities around the country, but he will be going out on the road after the, uh, the next steps are, are passed after the regents approve this in October and, uh, they get down to detailing some of the design stuff. Yeah. I mean, Bill Moose is 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 not is not young. Um, he'll be coming up on. Right. Uh, he'll, he will be he will be seventy or seventy one when this when this project is scheduled for completion. But I get the sense that yeah, it's in his plans to be here and and see this thing through. So, um, and that's this has kind of been his. 
this has been the calling card throughout his career of of his work. It hasn't necessarily been hiring coaches, which is what he's known for at Nebraska. It's been building mm-hmm. facilities, and he did it at Washington State. He did it at Oregon, totally. and you know I think he wants this to be the last thing that he does in his career. Um, and do it at Nebraska and build the biggest one that, that that's ever been built. So um, read all about that Friday on The Athletic. Okay, final part of this episode. Let's get to our picks for Nebraska Northwestern. 3 p.m. kickoff Saturday at Memorial Stadium. Can the Huskers bounce back in winning fashion against the Wildcats? Six of the last eight games between these two programs have been settled by one score. So... I imagine we're both going to pick a close game. Max, who's coming out on top and what's your score? Uh, you know, to me, it's not a question of like overtime, but like how many overtimes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I don't know. I mean, I think I've, I think, haven't you and I both picked Nebraska every single week? Uh, we did not pick no, Nebraska we picked Ohio against State Ohio State. Last, what am I saying? We picked Ohio State last week. Um, I, I'm... I'm going to say I'm going to pick Northwestern just to just add a caution here. Um, and I'll, and I'll say it, it, let's see. I will say Northwestern, um, 20, 27 to 24. Wait, am I doing that right? Yeah. 27, 24 in overtime. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're giving Nebraska a field goal, which again, uh, I'm just, I'm An seriously overtime questioning. Field goal, a clutch overtime field goal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nebraska makes a field goal. Um, I'm not letting your pick deter mine because I also say 27-24, but <laughs> I'm picking enough. Nebraska. I'm picking Nebraska to win 27-24, and it does not include a field goal. It includes a missed extra point. So there you go. We both picked 27-24, different teams, missed extra point for me for bonus points if that happens. Okay, that's it. What are we going to like, what are we going to, what are we going to like, if we're we're going the exact same score opposite sides and like, we got to put something on this, don't we? Like next yeah, one, what is, is buying what is the, buying the next coffee at the mill or something? That's fine. That's fine. Um, I mean, okay. I, I would I would like to come up with something better than that. Maybe we'll we'll discuss this weekend and try to come up with some. We'll better get a prop stakes. bet going for this one. I like yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get some better stakes, and then we'll we'll um, we'll notify the audience in our next episode <laughs> about what happened, who won the bet, and uh, what the uh, what the payoff was. Yeah. All right. All right. Sounds good. That is it for this episode. Please like our show, subscribe, and download each podcast. You can hear us Mondays exclusively on The Athletic app. If you're already listening to that, thanks for subscribing to The Athletic. This show is free each week on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.